Hi, Andy Elms here. Welcome back to The Spiritual Leader. When we look around in life today, we can see so much going on, can't we? But do we realise that this is our moment, our time as the church, to both arise and to shine? In this message I recorded recently, I want to challenge your heart, excite your heart regarding who we are meant to be in this moment at hand. Hey, I hope you enjoy. Listen, I want to encourage your hearts. I'm sure as you're looking around the world as I am, you're looking at the world and you're saying these are strange times indeed. Unusual times. And as the word so often has been used through this season, unprecedented times. We're looking around at the world and society and seeing so much that once seemed stable, being shaken um, to the core in some places. But I want to encourage you that we need to be assured that number one, God is at work in all things. It says that in Romans 8, doesn't it? That we know that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purposes. But we also need to be assured that God has a plan. We can look at the things happening in the world and uh, some people can give their hearts to worry or to fear. I don't believe as followers of Jesus that we should do that. Rather, we should understand the time in which we're living and the part that God wants us to play in this time in which we're living. Like I said, we need to be assured that God has a plan, but we need to also understand that his plan is us. We are his church. We are his people. And we are his plan and his answer for this moment in which we're living. I want to put it this way. Church, this is our time not to shrink back or to join in with the sound of the world in which we're living. But this is our time to shine and to lead. I want you, if you would, to turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah or Isaiah, wherever you're from in the world. Chapter 60, because I believe that what we read in chapter 60 of the book of Isaiah is very prophetic and profound for this moment that we find ourselves in. Isaiah was a prophet and he was around around 740 BC before Christ. Um, If you study his life, uh, it's recorded that he had a bad ending. He was martyred by being sawn in two. Now, again, I don't know if that fact helps you in any way today. I just think it's an interesting uh, understanding to the end of his life. But when we read in the book of Isaiah, we read the words of a prophet that was through the spirit seeing things ahead of the time that he was in. I believe that when we read these verses, we can actually see today the things that he saw then. Let me read these verses to you. Verse one says, arise and shine, arise and shine for your light has come. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is all over the people of the earth. But the Lord rises upon you. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to us. He's speaking of us. The Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over and upon you. 
nations will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. I really believe that these words are so key to the moment that we're in, in description of the moment, but also very clear direction for what God is expecting of us, his church, in this hour. Three things I want to look at from that verse. Number one is when it says arise and shine. What's the Bible saying to us today as the people of God? Get up, stand to your feet. Don't shrink back in fear like those who don't know the Lord would do. Rather, let's purpose individually and together that we're going to stand up. I love it that it says arise and shine. Do you know that word shine? I looked at the the meaning of that word in the Hebrew and it means a number of things. It means to glow, to radiate. But I also love that it says to be the break of day or the break of dawn. Isn't that beautiful? That God speaks to us, his people, in this moment that can seem so bleak. And he says, come on, stand up, shine, be the break of day, be the new horizon that this world needs to see. But then I also want to look at the word that's used, darkness. The Bible says that darkness will cover the earth, indeed great or gross darkness, the people. Again, when you look at the word used for darkness, to find its actual meaning, it's the the Hebrew word koshek. And the word koshek, which is a Hebrew word, means misery, destruction, Death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness, unrighteousness. That's really relative to the day in which we're living, isn't it? It says that darkness will cover the earth. Let's look at that according to the translation of the word. Misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness and unrighteousness will cover the earth. I'm sure you'll agree with me that when we look around at the world today... That's a very, very good description. But then it carries on and it says, and gross darkness will cover the people. When I looked at the word for gross darkness, it meant a cloudiness of gloom. So the prophet Isaiah foresaw that there was going to be destruction, misery, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness, a cloudiness of great gloom that would come upon the earth. But yet in speaking to the people of God, he says to us, this is your time to shine. This is your time to lead. This isn't your time to hide in buildings. This is your time to let the light of Jesus Christ that's now in you as a new creation shine for the people around us to see. The third thing I saw when I was reading Isaiah 60 was it says that the people of this world, the Gentile, The heathen, those who don't know God, will be drawn to the light that we're shining. Isn't that beautiful? When the church stops hiding, stops arguing, stops fighting amongst itself and stands up to be the representation of Christ on the earth, the people of this earth will be drawn to the light that's displayed in and through us. That's why we can't not be different to the world that the Lord's put us in. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Oh, we are in the world, 
but we're no longer of the world. It says that the heathen, the unsaved, will be drawn to something better that they see in us. I believe what that's describing is what I've said before, kingdom life. They'll look at the way that we're living, the way that we're treating each other within our little church, and they'll be drawn to the beauty of it, the reality of it, the holiness, the the incredible way of living that we represent. What is that way of living? Simple. It's the kingdom life of the kingdom that we know we now belong to. We need to realise that this verse is speaking of us. We need to realise that when Isaiah spoke of them rising and a glory upon you, he was speaking about us in the year 2020. We need to realise he's speaking about us. He's speaking about his church, his people on the earth. You see, you may read that and say, well, Jesus is going to come and and he's going to be the light that they see. No, that's not true. It's going to be the Jesus who came, who now lives in you and me, that's going to shine in this world with a new, pure, lovely life. But we need to understand, you see, that we are the body of Christ. Oh, if we could understand that like we should or like we could. A lot of our disunity, our bickering, our arguing that shouldn't be a place or have a place in us would dissipate like mist as the sun rises. I believe a key set of verses in this hour in which we're living, many have referred to them already as we've looked at the racism and discrimination that's in our world, are found in 1 Corinthians 12. And if you read from verse 12 to 27, it says in a number of ways, we are one body, we are made up of many parts, many cultures, many nations, but we are one body now, we are one kingdom of people, that when one of us hurts, we all hurt. But when you read through to the final statement of Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, he ends with this statement that I believe we all need to reconsider. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We know that the Bible reveals a number of things. It reveals that Jesus is the head of the church. He always will be. But we are the body of of Jesus Christ on this earth. We contain within us the spirit of God. Come on, what greater light bulb could there be to confuse the darkness than the spirit of God now living in his body, which is us on the earth. He's here in us now on the earth wanting to express himself, reveal himself through us to a world that's in confusion. Not just through our words, but through the lives that we live. It's easy to stand on a box and shout words, but God wants us to do more than that. He wants the lives that we live as a community that now belongs to him, a nation that belongs to him, made up of people of many nations, He wants the lives that we live to stand out in darkness so bright that those that don't yet know him, 
<coughs> are drawn to this light in us. We're called family church to stick out in this moment and not blend in. We're called to be operating in a different spirit that the world is operating in. Paula, when she shared a couple of weeks ago, said that so well. She said, yes, there may be real issues that we're looking at and dealing with, but the spirit that we respond with needs to be different than the spirit that's in the world. Otherwise, we're no different to the world. When the Bible reveals to us, we really are. We need to not blend in and be the same in our reactions and our responses to things as the world, but we need to stand out. We need to be the breaking of dawn. We need to be a new horizon for people to see in these dark and confusing times. Not in the messages we preach, but in the way that we love. In John 13, verse 35, Jesus says that they, the world, will know that we are followers. He says, by this they will know that you are my followers, by the love that you have one for another. He didn't say they will know you are my followers by how loud you preach through a megaphone or how big your Bible is that you carry to church. He said, no, the world will know that you are my followers when they experience and watch the love that you have for one another, a love that's different to any love they've known before. The world will know we're different when they see how we choose unity over division. But when the world purposes to choose division and dissension, we as the people of God choose unity. Listen, there's a very, very big warning in Proverbs 6 for those that want to cause disunity or dissension. It actually says that above all the things that God hates, he abhors dissension. He hates and abhors the person that brings division, especially when it's division to his body. We're the people that need to speak truth. Again, as the Bible teaches us, we speak truth in love. But nonetheless, we speak truth. We don't join in with the deceptive thinkings and philosophies of this world. Yet we speak the truth, the spiritual truth of God's word. We understand that the word of God is what separates between what is soul and what is spirit. It's not psychiatry or, or, or any other ology. It's the word of God that helps us to understand what is soul and what is spirit and how we are to respond. So right now, what I'm saying is this world that we're living in desperately needs us to be different. It desperately needs us not to join in. It desperately needs us to be the church. But for us to be the church, for us to do this successfully, we need to know what the church is. If we don't know who we are as the church, then how can we be that? for others to watch in a real, transparent and vulnerable way. We need to understand who we now are from spiritual perspective. I shared that last week, that in this journey that we're on together, walking through life with the issues that we're looking at, I choose spiritual perspective. Not that I rule out the other perspectives, 
but I choose the perspective of God as the creator above all. We need to understand how the word of God reveals to us that we are different, that we are the church. What is the church? Well, we could preach on that for many hours, couldn't we? Number one, I believe we are ecclesia. Now, that word may not mean anything to you, but the word is the word that's used when Jesus speaks of the church. He says we're ecclesia. And that word means a number of things. It means we're an assembly of people that belong to him. But also it means that we're a called out people. Come on, let's catch this in our heart. We are not the same as this world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We are different. If you have been born again, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are different. I am different. We are ecclesia. Now, another definition of ecclesia means a called out people. I love what it says in Colossians 1.13. This was one of the constant messages of Paul. He says that we have been, past tense, taken out, snatched out of a kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. That isn't going to happen when we die. It happened when we were born again. So if we are no longer citizens of a kingdom of darkness, the word says that, not me, but we're kingdom citizens, citizens of the kingdom of the son of his love. We must be true to living as citizens of that kingdom. We're a new nation, a holy people that belong to him. Oh, let me read these verses to you from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to what God says about you and me, about us. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, God's special possession. Boy, if that doesn't make us shine in a dark world, I don't know what will. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him, Jesus, who called you out of the darkness of this world, again into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received any mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, preach it, Brother Andy, say it again. We're a holy nation. We're a people that belong to God. I have to encourage myself like that because the room's empty. But I believe I need to say to myself, say that again, Andy. You were once not a people of God but you are now the people of God. You are now the body of Christ on the earth. I believe also that we're a people of no racism. We don't know ourselves by our races, but by who we now are in him. We're a people, the church must be a place of no racism, no discrimination or partiality of any kind. Again, we referred last week to the, the teachings of Paul where he said, there is now no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, barbarian or Scythian. We're just one family drawn from other nations and places to now be his people, 
the expression of who he is, his family on the earth. We're a people who don't know ourselves or each other by where we came from or the colour of our skin, but who we now are in Christ. Listen, we need to have this established in our thinking. We are a people, the church, we are a people who don't despise our cultures, our nationalities or the colours of our skin, but we don't know ourselves or each other by those things anymore, but rather we choose to know ourselves by who we are in Christ. We're not defined any longer by natural cultures, but we're also a people that aren't scared to celebrate our natural cultures. I'm not defined by being born in England. I'm not defined by being born in Portsmouth. What defines me is now I'm a part of a family of God. But equally, I'm able to celebrate the place of my natural birth. I'm able to celebrate where you were born, the culture that you represent. If you're in family church and you're from a different culture, we're not going to judge that. We don't want to judge that. We want to celebrate that. We want in our future family church to be more expressive of the beautiful multicultural of who we are. Why do we choose to know ourselves no longer? By who we were or where we came from, or indeed the colour of our skin? It's because we know our true and common identity that we've all received now in him. We regard ourselves by what his word says we are. I believe a very, very important scripture to the times that we're living in (coughs) and the issues we're dealing with of racism and discrimination, a very, very key verse for us to gather around is found in 2 Corinthians. It's actually verse uh, chapter 5 and verse 16 and 17. Just listen to these words as I speak them this morning because I believe they bring a lot of truth to the inner people of who we are. From now on, therefore, henceforth, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's interesting when you look at the word creation and take it to the original use. It actually says species. If anyone is in Christ, independent of where they've come from and the culture they naturally represent, every culture which we celebrate, not judge. Actually, when a person is born again, they become a new creation and a part of a new species, a new variety of people, like we read from the teachings of First Peter a people that belong to God. That should be our boast, that we're a people that belong to God. If anyone is in Christ, there's no selection, there's no, um, there's, there's no uh, segregation in that statement. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation because the old has passed away. 
and the new has come. Old is gone, new is here. You see, we choose as the people of God, as kingdom people, to see life from different layers than what maybe the world would look at. When I consider the horrendous moment that we witnessed and saw concerning what happened to George Floyd, it was brutal, it was wrong, it was terrible. But it was brutal, terrible and wrong on a number of layers. I was conscious of what was happening on the layer of epidermis, of skin colour, that a white man should not have done that to a black man. But I'm sure you'll agree with me, it was wrong on other layers too. A human shouldn't do that to a human. And when I watched what happened in that moment that was recorded, over the minutes that it was recorded, I saw, as you did, something that happened between a white man and a black man that was wrong. But at another layer, I was more deeply disturbed. And Bishop T.D. Jake said the same thing, and he summed that up so well when he said, no human should have done that to another human. But yet when we look at how the world is approaching this moment and this very, very important discussion, we see a lot of talk concerning not what a human did to a human, but rather what skin colour did to skin colour. We need to understand that, yes, there was an issue of skin colour and skin colour. But at a deeper level, there was a very, very sad, traumatic and terrible reality of the layer of human against human. We need to understand that we need to go to an even deeper layer when we regard each other. That we celebrate the different colour of our skin, the epidermis. But we don't know each other by the colour of our skin, by the culture we came from. But rather we choose to know each other at a much deeper level. We can't expect the world to do this, but I believe that God expects us to do this as his body, the expression of who he is on the earth. I don't want to know somebody by the colour of their skin and I don't want you to know me by the colour of my skin. I want to know you firstly at the level. I see Jesus in you and I see you in Jesus. The same Jesus you're in, I'm in that Jesus too. The same Jesus that's in you is in me also. You see, if we don't think different to the world, we can't shine in the world with a better option. I love how blunt it is in those verses. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. But in verse 16, it says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Again, I didn't want to teach anything wrong, so I went to look at the Greek word for the word flesh, and it's the word starks. It means two things. It can mean the nature, the old nature of a person prior to knowing Christ. But it also, and in this context, means the skin suit. The skin suit. That's what the word means, flesh, in this translation. It says, we know no one any longer. We regard no one any longer 
according to their skin suit, but by who they are now in Christ. We choose to be different. We see Christ in each other. How could we harm each other if we saw Christ in each other? We choose to understand that, yes, we have natural lives and there are different skin colours. To us, that's not something we judge or despise. It's something we celebrate. I want, and I've always wanted family church to be an expression of every nation, every culture that was present in it. But we must gather around something, a layer of more substance than epidermis or culture. Let's gather around who we now are in Christ. When we do that, I believe we can actually begin to celebrate our differences and not judge and despise them. God is looking for us, his church, to be different in the darkness of life that we find ourselves in. He's looking for us to be light that shines bright. But the reality is we have to be different to stand out. If we're no different to the world, if we respond and think no different to the world, we won't be this shining people that Isaiah speaks of, that shine so bright they draw others that don't know God in his glory to the light of who he is. To be his light, we've got to be different. We've got to think different. We've got to love different. We've got to judge different. We've got to forgive different. We've got to apply grace different. There's so many differences to how God expects us as his representation or his rep representatives on the earth to be. Now, listen to me, family church. If we can get this right in our local church, we can actually make a difference in the wider church and indeed, I believe, the world. If we sing along with the songs that the world are singing, we'll make no difference because we are no different. But if we purpose and if we start with us, family church, if we start with us and we say we're going to know each other firstly, the first layer, according to who we are now in Christ, the new creation of who we are in Christ. We can continue, because I say continue, because I believe we've already walked a lot of steps on this journey. We can continue to have within who we are as a church a very, very different culture and life to that which we experience outside of the church. But it starts with us stop seeing ourselves as peripheral to the world. We need to start to see ourselves as central to the world. I've used a lot of charts and different things this week, and if I'd made another one for today, there would have been three circles, the outer circle representing the world, the next circle within it representing the church, the church for the last 2,000 years, where there has been systemic racism, there has been things done wrong. But then the central circle would have been our church, family church. Yes, I believe we're called to not just with our words, but with our life, change the world and the larger church around who we are. 
But come on, let's be honest. It starts with us getting it right. It starts with how we regard each other. It starts with how we celebrate each other. It's how we celebrate each other's cultures. It's how we say no, zero racism in family church, zero discrimination, zero partial treatment or partiality in family church. It starts with us. And if we get it right, suddenly I believe our culture, our kingdom living, will affect the wider church. We can't affect what's happened, what's been, what's gone, but we can address the systemic racism and such things within it. But we can be a bright shining light to the church beyond us that may be still trying to understand these things. But if we don't get it right, we have no voice to anyone outside of us. Again, let's dream that maybe we could get it so right that we would be this shining light and have an impact and have an influence on the world in which we're living by demonstrating what Jesus said was a better way of living kingdom life. We need to understand, you see, that the church is not peripheral to the world. We are central. It's through us the world gets better. Let me read to you a passage of scripture from Ephesians 1, 23. I'm going to read it from the message translation <clears throat> because it says it so loudly, so well. It speaks of Jesus and it speaks of us, his body. It says he is in charge of it all. That's Jesus. He has the final word on everything. At the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. Rather, the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Did you hear what the Bible was teaching there? We're not to be on the outside looking in. We need to realise that we are the body of Christ beyond where we were born, the colour of our skin, the culture we represented naturally. We are now the people of God. We are the church. We're not to look in from a peripheral view, but we're to set the difference in our nation. But we can't set the difference if we don't live different. We need to understand kingdom life, <clears throat> the life of the kingdom we now belong to, so that the, the life around us can change, not for a moment or for a generation, but in a significant way for good. Yes, it's good to study ourselves, but think about it. If you study you, all you're going to find is you. Where the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, if we study him, if we behold him, we are transformed. I'm not saying it's not good to understand ourselves. But if we study ourselves and make our journey just about studying ourselves, all we end up with at the end of the journey is ourselves. 
But if we study Christ, if we look at Jesus, if we have spiritual perspective, kingdom thinking, the Bible, not me, says we're transformed. And then we begin to shine. And we affect the church around us and the world that God has put us in. If we can get this right, I'm not talking about the church in England. I'm talking about family church. It starts with us. If we can get this right, if we can see ourselves correctly, if we can purpose to live constantly with no racism, no judgment of people's natural um, culture, if we can choose to see Jesus in each other and to see each other in Jesus, we can change the world for him. I really believe that. I believe that Dr. Martin Luther King believed that too. I was reading and looking at his speech, I Have a Dream earlier today and in it he says I have a dream where there's a people that belong to God that aren't defined by race that live in an equality of its kingdom this world will never give you that equality the kingdom of God has already given us that equality and as we believe it and live from it we change the world that's peripheral to the church around us we get this right we can change the world like Jesus placed us in the world to do also we can ruin the devil's plans come on when you look around at what's going on in the world right now with fear and hate confusion such wickedness who do you think's behind it the bible says that it's the devil that comes to kill steal and destroy If we can come out of our corner as the church, the body of Christ, operating in a different spirit, a kingdom spirit, we can not only delight the Father, but we can irritate the devil. That's what Jesus came to do, wasn't it? You know, he said that the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but of himself, he said, oh, I have come into the world to destroy the works of the evil one. If we purpose to love and not hate, we can destroy hate. If we purpose to forgive and not despise or hold grudges, we can change the atmosphere of life. We could see the kingdom break out. Okay. If we don't, we need to shut our doors today. If we're going to be no different to the world, if we're going to just like act like the world we're in and not be the people of God that God says we are now in Christ. Come on, let's face it. We might as well just shut our doors. We're, we're no different to any other natural humanitarian organisation. Hmm. Don't worry, we won't. Family church, I know we're different. I know but we're different. I know that we're a bright shining light of God in this dark world. But we've got to choose to live different. Not try and understand ourselves by natural reasoning or wisdom outside of God, but see ourselves as we're reflected in the word. See our reflection in the eyes of the Father and see the Father's reflection in the eyes of each other. Let me end with something that Jesus said about us. 
many years after Isaiah had said what he said. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. Speaking to us, oh, you are the light of the world. You're a city on a hill that cannot or should not be hidden. But you shouldn't hide the lamp or light the lamp and hide it under a basket. But rather you should put it on a stand. That it could give light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light now shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. Whether we look to the words of the prophet Isaiah or the words of Jesus Christ, the request, the commission is the same. Let's not live like those that don't know him. Let's be different. Let's let the light of the light of his truth, the light of the life of his spirit, shine through, not just be echoed in our words, but in the lives that we live, when we live free from racism, when we celebrate, not judge or despise the colour of a person's skin. We bring our life into unity with the teachings of Paul where it says we know each other no longer by that layer, but we dare to see each other in Christ, with Christ in us. These are significant days and uh, I didn't know if I was going to share this, but I think I will. Yesterday I was walking and praying, just worshipping. And I was just walking, it was unexpected. And uh, I was walking through a tunnel that connects Cosham into Fox's Forest, for those that know it. I didn't see it coming. I walked in to that moment and... The spirit of God hit me and I began to weep. I felt a little bit of a lemon, actually. I was walking around, <laughs> I was walking around didn't even have a dog to blame. I was walking around and I was weeping. I was weeping. You ask why? Because of one thing the Lord said to me. He said, I'm about to move again. I'm about to move again. Everything you've seen is the devil trying to destroy and bring a distraction because he knows I'm about, I'm about to move again. I was a mess. But then he said he's going to move through his church. He's going to move through his church. And just as the devil used fear and hate, He's going to release an authority, healing and abundance through his church that's going to bring a move of his spirit to this country. He also very clearly, I felt him say to me, that what we're seeing right now is a shaking in the church and he's doing it. And I felt him say, let those who are going to fall off, let them fall off. Let those who will remain, let them remain. I felt him say that this time that we've been through, 
really is a time where he's been resetting his church. And I felt him say that he's resetting the church. He's rising and raising her up to be his body again, to fulfill his purposes on the earth. Why does the devil want us fighting in the inner circle of who we are as a church? Because he knows God's about to move. Listen, I was a mess. I didn't see it coming. I was just, in my heart, as clear as I've heard anything, I felt the Father say, I'm about to move again. I'm about to move again. And everything you've seen of late has been because the devil knows I'm about to move again. But he's not going to move in some supernatural way through the Spirit. He's going to move through his church. God is about to move again, but he's going to move through his body on the earth, the church. I want to encourage you. That is why it's vital that we know who we are and what we're here to do. I know there's pain. I know there's hurt. That hurts me to know that. But we can't let things separate us from the life in the community God called us to have. You see, the church was always God's plan. And it always will be. When he speaks to us in Isaiah of them coming to the light of your rising. He's speaking of us. Will you join me and make a decision to stand up and shine? To be the break of a new day, the, the breaking of a new dawn, a new horizon. To stop blending in with the world we're in, but to shine his light to it so that they can find a way forward too. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope that challenged you today that whatever context that takes in your life this week, that you're going to be a person, a spiritual leader who rises up and shines for Jesus. And as you do, you're going to affect the world around you. Listen, see you next time for The Spiritual Leader.